Who do you think you are? That's a question that can be asked in many different ways. It can be asked, of course, of, in terms of where you came from, your ancestry, your race, your religion, perhaps all your inherited, all your inherited characteristics. Who do you think you are? Or possibly, who do you think you are in terms of social status? The right to take part in particular activities or the right to be in specific places. You know, like Westminster Abbey yesterday. <laughs> Your particular place in the society in which you live. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are in relation to God? That's the question put very aggressively to Stephen by the Council of the Jews. How dare you talk of God like that? They covered their ears, we're told, that hearing him claim to be someone who can see God and see Christ at his right hand. And Stephen responds to them, They, far from being the true people of God, are folk dependent on his prayer. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. These people that thought they had the word of God sewn up in what they believed, in what they proclaimed, depended on this man who came from nowhere for their very life before God. Do not hold this sin against them. Once again, it would seem that the lesson is beware of religious leaders. And certainly a warning to me, after 48 years of ordained ministry, to remember that not that I've done well, but that I've been carried all the way by the prayers of those to whom I've ministered. If my ministry's been any use, it's because of prayers of people like you. Who do you think you are, says Peter, to, well, we don't quite know what congregation he was writing to, but he still says it. Who do you think you are? Good upstanding adults? <coughs> like those present? Most? No, you're like newborn infants. So come and take your milk. It's not exactly polite, is it, but maybe true. But at the same time, you, as we think he's speaking to you just as much as he was to the congregation, whoever they were, to whom he wrote originally, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. And why are you that? What purpose is it being that? In order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. So I say it again. Who do you think you are? Just a kid? 
Just a mum doing her best? Just as good a person as I can reasonably be, better than some? Well, at least I'm someone who matters, at least to, to my family. Someone perhaps who's led a good life, good fulfilling life, but has dropped down the social scale on retirement. I certainly don't want to accuse any of you of being self-important. But having a higher regard for yourself than can really be justified. Although there are such people in Christchurch. Whoever you think you are in this world, in this society, even in this congregation, is irrelevant when it comes down to it. You all of you, each of you, are a chosen people, not a worthy people, people who have been chosen by God, a royal priesthood, because of our inheritance from our Heavenly Father, not because we've earned such a title, God's own people. Not a self-made people or an independent congregation. God's own people. And the purpose for which we exist to proclaim the mighty acts of the one who has called us out of darkness into his marvellous light. Together, we're God's people in this place our task, our purpose in life is to share God's good news. And that's surely more encouraging to think of us than to think of ourselves as a declining congregation that struggles to staff anything new or, to, or even to afford it. It's apt to be the way we look at ourselves. Just think for a moment. As James comes to us, what he's going to think. Is he going to look at you as being a declining congregation that struggled rather? Or can he see you as God's own people? It's quite a difference. So let's look at the Gospel reading. Listen, says Jesus, when I say I'm coming back for you, you're coming with me. And you know the way the way I'm going. The disciples weren't always backward about coming forward with what they thought, especially Peter. It looks as though that, at that moment they stood just there open-mouthed. What's he on about? We know... I think they knew at that point they didn't really know anything. Remember, this was just before the crucifixion. By the time the story is told, though, they knew that they only had to stick with Jesus to get there. They still weren't quite sure where there was, but they knew the way. So do you.
the evangelist John is saying to them, stick with Jesus. No point in asking for more detail about what he's going to do, about where he's going, or for details about the Father. Poor Philip, he's one of those who gets pretty bad press in the Gospel, only named when making a fool of himself. Jesus, the Son, is enough. That's the point. And he's enough because he's not in his own. He is one with the Father. One with God. And it's the Father's works that he's doing. To believe that, says Jesus, to Philip, to Thomas, to you, And then you too start doing the Father's works. There will be plenty of opportunity for the Father to work in you. Many more times than he has in Jesus so far. Jesus says, you will do greater things than me. Not in quality, I'm sure, but in number. Always believe there is more that God is going to do. There is more to come. And believe that we have someone coming to leave this congregation who will do precisely nothing on his own. So don't watch what he does. Don't you pray. Watch what God does in him. And when you've got over the shock of what God is doing right here, it may be quite a shock, you never know. Be ready for it. Join in with all you've got. Despite knowing that you simply can't do that. Because what we know it's not what God knows. God the Holy Spirit can do these things in you. And I think the exciting thing is that neither you nor I know exactly what that is going to be.